The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here with co-host dan reese for this week's by the numbers dan how you doing i'm doing all right it was a a, a rough weekend but at least we got uh, got the win and uh on to the next week i guess tell you a physically exhausting game to be there yeah, i'm sure it couldn't be better to watch it on tv and and you know see lamar not in the game it's the ultimate you know wtf moment that he's uh all of a sudden not in the not in the game and the tent is up and they announced Huntley in the game and you know, I hadn't noticed it right away. It was between quarters like that and just a nightmare. Yep, absolutely. But uh, final drive to get the win, that was, uh, you know, at least a good ending to it for sure. So uh, some silver linings at least. So. Yeah, so we'll be looking back at some, at some hopefully some positives and forward and have to have some realism, I think, in this show. And why don't you get us started? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, uh, you know, despite how hard things are, I, th- I think we got some good numbers overall, 93%, 59%, and 16%. Uh, 
uh, 93% probability to make the playoffs based off of the New York Times model currently. So uh, that's a that's a pretty good place to be in, even even considering with um, you know all, all, everything else going on. Um, this week's results can swing it to 99% with a win, so basically mm-hmm. a lock if we can win uh, this week, and dr- still drops still only drops to 87% with a loss this week, so still really good odds. Um, 59% to win the division, so really good spot there too. Um, I think it's something like a magic number of five, I think is what it is, uh, between uh, wins and, and and losses by Cincinnati. So, um, so you know, so that's not bad. Um, and uh, 16% to get the number two seed. You know, I think we've talked about previously how the number two seed is significantly better than the others um, that, that have home field advantage, but uh, you know, that one's not looking as good. I think they pretty much have to win out. So, so here's my question. You're, you're offered 59 to 41 odds and you either have to lay it or take the, take the odds and, and bet them to not make the playoffs. Which side of that wager are you taking? To not make the playoffs at all. Yeah. So you, you said it's 59% chance to, to, to make the playoffs. 59 and, to win the division. Sorry, to win the division. That's what I meant. Yeah. 59 to, to win the division. So 59 to 41 odds are, is the is the proposition you have to take one side of that do you want to take 59 to 41 and and they're not making the playoffs or lay 59 to 41 they are making the playoffs uh you know i'm still on the 59 side with uh with how well the defense is playing i know it'll be tough but um but i think they've got some winnable games uh over the next few weeks even even with lamar out and then no, I, I definitely could see it coming down to Cincinnati in, in the last week. So, right. I mean, very shell shocked here at this point myself. I think they, it's really down to winning the two of these next four games. Mm-hmm. Uh, winning winning one game uh, guarantees them the division tie break. Uh, if it comes down to the Cincinnati game, I think they're going to be out. Uh, yeah. So they, they need to win two of these next four games, and and uh, uh, that is a pretty not low order. It is a it is a tall order. To, to get that done, in my opinion. All right, let's move on. Other positive uh, number of the day, 13, 2, 8, and 1. Uh, the Ravens are honored Marshall Yonda, who, by the way, um, lost a significant amount of weight since his playing days. Did so right away. In fact, it looks like he might have picked up back a few pounds, but he still looks fantastic. It looks like a different person since he's since he's retired. He had 13 seasons in the league, two first-team All-Pro selections, five more on the second team, by the way. People don't often talk about that, but... Uh, uh, those are a big deal, actually. Second team All Pros, eight Pro Bowls, one Super Bowl win. Uh, I, I was privileged enough to score every block of his Hall of Fame career. I can tell you, it's, it was a. Uh, uh, oftentimes, you are at a loss for words, and I don't mean that in the way that you're you're in constant awe of what he did, which was which is often the case. It's a matter of the paragraphs on him ended up being so short because it's usually focused on what players did wrong and what didn't you know go right. Marshallana is like, well, you know, he missed two blocks and he did a lot of pressure and he <laughs> so, so you end up with a really short paragraph for him. But uh, uh, you know what what really gets me about his career and maybe you have a story, you know, looking back to is Dan is that despite you know, being drafted the same year as Ben Grubbs. Ben Grubbs was a one. He was a three. They put Ben Grubbs in the lineup right away as a, as a starter. In the case of Yonda, he had to fight his way, and it really took him three full seasons uh, to, to win his job. It wasn't until, you know, later in 2009 that he had it fully because he was competing with Chris Chester, of all people. Now, Chris Chester, good lineman, played in the league for years after he left the Ravens. 
um, but had no business, obviously, playing ahead of Marshall Yada. Neither did Ben Grubbs, for that matter. Uh, it, we had some one local reporter who absolutely thinks Ben Grubbs was better, um, and or did said so all the time when they're playing together. Uh, and uh, it was just one of these things. It's I, we're watching a different football game in in those cases. Ben Grubbs, fine lineman, Yada at a different level. Um, probably the thing that I remember most about his career is him filling in at right tackle in 2010. So Michael Orr had to move to the left side. Uh, Jared Cather started his downward spiral into nothingness with his injury, and I'm using air quotes here, uh, that he came up with that, uh, that cost him the 2010 season. And then also in 2016, people sometimes forget this, but he moved to moved to left guard in the middle of the season because his left arm was giving his trouble, giving him trouble, and he had to have his strong arm on the inside to protect. And and so you know it's it's up there with you know Ronnie Lott cutting off his finger to keep playing through that kind of pain, um, and uh, and have the kind of year he had and the kind of career he had, obviously as well. Yeah, just uh, you know, amazing amazing stories all the time about him. Love hearing his stories from behind the scenes too. I think he had, he had some awesome, uh, pretty hilarious ones. You know, they always talk about how, you know, O-line, if you're not hearing their name, that's a, you know, that's a good thing. And that's kind of right along with you, with your story about uh, not having him, you know, huge paragraphs about him. So, you know, what a, what a cool, um, uh, cool thing to see, see him go into the, the ring there and, uh, and, hopefully more to come from him in the future. So, all right, I'll jump into some of my numbers. Um, 84.4%, 12.1, and 5.8. So 84.4% was the completion percentage for Huntley this week. 12.1% uh, was the completion over expectation for Huntley uh, as well. So, he had he was ex extremely high high completion rate eighty four percent is really high, but uh, you know a lot of it was dink and dunk passes, keep getting the guy open early, getting it out. But he having a twelve point one uh, percent completion over expectation means he did that at an extremely strong uh, you know clip. He was he was very successful at doing it. That CPOE is the third highest in week thirteen behind Daniel Jones and Joe Burrow. So. Uh, some very impressive performance on kind of what he was trying to do. Um, he went 22 out of 23 on passes under 10 yards, but the only non-completion was the interception. So uh, very impressive on kind of those short yardage plays. 2.69 time to throw. Uh, you compare that to Lamar's 3.0 for the year. So, a lot shorter time to throw, getting the ball out quick, uh, hitting hitting guys uh, with with anticipation. Um, Five point eight was the intended air yards, which was the third lowest in, in week thirteen. Uh, compare that to Lamar's average of, of eight point eight for the year. So, uh, very clearly a different different player than Lamar in in what they're asking him to do, what he's able to do, you know, what he was able to do this last week at least. Um, but I, I would say he was very successful at doing that. You know, he was a, able to, um, you know, successfully take what was given to him uh, and, and complete the, the short yardage plays. So uh, the thing about that is it makes drives hard, you know, to keep doing that without the explosive plays. But, um, you know, that was still encouraging to see 
am able to complete those with such a high high percentage. Yeah, definitely a compressed field. And and I, I'll before I we have maybe a little bit of discussion about how the passing game is different. I'm going to just go through my next stat, and then we can combine these because they're very similar. Um, Two point five expected yak for Mark Andrews in this game. Okay, that's expected yak per catch. And these are all um, receivers who had five catches or more this last week. So the other the other players were Demarcus Robinson, who had one point four expected yak. And Devin Duvernay had 2.2 expected yak. And these are numbers from next gen stats that uh, look at where the other players are on the field and how that uh, models, how that could relate to, to uh, yak yards after catch, um, uh, you know, on, on each of the receptions. So what this obviously tells us is the Ravens pass plays are, are pretty much all underneath, which creates very little yak opportunity. Oh, I didn't give you the important thing. 3.7 was the median expected yak for all receivers league wide with five plus catches. So you can see the Ravens are down right around two yards uh, expected yak. That's half of that uh, roughly. Um, and, you know, part of this is a function of scheming the ball out quickly with Tyler Huntley, which really changes the offense very dramatically. Uh, they they can try and run the ball, but you just don't have the um, time to let plays develop to spread out a defense that's the same as Lamar, and and it's going to be a real struggle. We certainly saw it in last year's uh, stretch run when when Huntley was in there. It wasn't that he was terrible or anything. He just he, he just could not force a defense to spread out. His pocket also awareness is also limited, and so he can make mistakes in the pocket, either fumble the football or get sacked when Lamar wouldn't and had, you know, seemingly eyes in the back of his head. But, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be working from a very limited offensive blueprint the rest of the way. I think if you take the whole Ravens playbook, you can probably cross out a significant percentage of the plays that work with Lamar, don't work with Huntley, and you're down to, um, you know, a, a, a compressed defense you're playing against. It does not leave a lot of margin for error. So this defense is going to really have to stand up and be counted um, the way the 1965 Colts were when Tom Matty went in the game. Yeah, I think I, I think it's it's for sure going to be a challenge, and they're definitely going to have to lean on lean on the defense. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not quite in the same uh, level. Of, you know, I, I'm a little bit higher on Huntley. I think he can um, rely on his weapons, rely on his anticipation, get the ball out quick, scheme some scheme the ball to keep moving down the field occasionally hit a little bit deeper pass um you know the, i think a key is going to need is be, is going to be they need to get the run game going so I, th- I think if you're relying entirely on him that's not a good position to be in but um you know i think he showed that he's able to be successful at what they asked him to do um and i, I do think that's um you know, it's just going to be a, a different game plan, but I think I think it can still be a successful one, especially with the strong of defense. So, all right, all right. My next numbers. Uh, let's see. Okay, so speaking of that defense, negative point one six, negative point zero three, negative point three nine, and nine point eight percent. Negative point zero one six is the EPA per play since week nine. Uh, when Roquan was added. So negative is good on defense. So uh, that's good for third best in the league behind San Francisco and New England. Negative 0.03 is the EPA per play uh, during those four game stretch 
uh, on passing plays, which is 11th best. If you look at the three games with uh, with Kyle Hamilton, uh, the negative or the EPA on, on passing plays is negative 0.19. So nice. much better. So you get Kyle Hamilton back along with Roquan and they are looking really strong. Negative 0.39 is the EPA per play uh, versus rushing games. Uh, that's the best and the best by 0.08. So by a significant margin. So they are lights out on the rushing game uh, these last four weeks. A couple of the numbers that I, I, I saw the third in PFF grades overall on defense, uh, take that for what you will. Second in points per game at 13.3, second in yards per game at 263, and first and third down conversions at 25% during mm-hmm. those four games. So their defense is is firing on all cylinders. And I think, obviously, it's going to be a huge component to keep them in, in these games with uh, with the backup quarterback. And But I Everything that they've been showing the last four games is that they're up for the task. Yeah, very, very much needs to be. And I, I, in two games ago when they lost Stanley and Hamilton, I want to relate to what you what you said there. So Hamilton, obviously, um, despite you know a physical frame and speed that is not what you would expect for the position, was installed as the regular slot corner um, several weeks ago. And you know, two weeks ago they lost him. And immediately you can see the difference between him and everybody else. It really shows up in your EPA per play difference between with Hamilton and with, is it with and without you did or with and total? It was with and total, right? It was, it was just total. Okay. So it's even worse than that in, in a with and without basis. So it's the, the, the point being that, that, that was just a, it shows you the seismic importance of that position there in terms of, uh, uh, of, of how big it is. Um, the other one is Stanley and, and I'll just say that McCary did not play well this last week. Okay. So he graded out to be on an adjusted basis in at 0.61, which just squeaked him into the D range on my method. Now, Stanley has been playing very well and has been, you know, in the eighties with, with some good regularity in the high eighties really. So the difference from that might be, might be just to, just to give it a round that might be about 25 points, um, in, in average difference from what McCary did this last week. But then you look at what the difference is between McCary and Falele. And Falele came in and got a 0.03 raw score. It was adjusted and he got a 0.07. So his actual adjustment was better, bigger than his raw score, which is, is ridiculous. <laughs> it's just it's so, it's so large. So a, a drop from 0.61 to 0.07 is about the, the, the drop from the drop from McCary to Falele is about twice as significant as the drop from Stanley to McCary, even though Stanley to McCary is a, is an enormous chasm of a drop. And that's just this last week. I know McCary did actually play a little bit better in his first two games. Still were both F's as, as I scored them. Um, it, it's a position where they cannot afford to be without McCary uh, for any significant amount of time. They, they need to have him back or they may need to look for another option because at this point um, putting Falele out one more game and having him fail like, um, he did before is is probably going to cost them the playoffs. It would uh, would be my guess. Well, I think Stanley was back full t- full practice for the last two full yesterday, yesterday. Limited yeah. today. Okay. All right. Well, I'm still holding out hope that he's back this week because that would be huge. So, um, but uh, but yeah, oh, the difference they make, especially in in the pocket, like you talked about, which is key for Huntley, and then also with the run game, it uh, it's definitely. Someone we need back. 
Oh, All right, it's my, ter- it's my turn. Yep. Yeah, I think it is. I'm sorry. 0. 0.81, 36.3%, and 32.61%. So the 0.81, really good number for rushing yards over expected per attempt. That's for Kenyon Drake this season. Really surprised me when I saw this because it's 11th in the NFL among 49 running backs with um, 70 plus rushes. So top 25%. Um, uh, very good. And then uh, 36.3% are the runs run percentage over expected. So he's got runs that are above that, the, the, the expectation he's got runs that are below the thing. And the 36.3% for runs over expected is actually 39th out of 49 qualifiers. So it's 11th worst. So it's the bottom 25%. We would not normally see that in an actual real study that we're doing. Correct, Dan? Right. Yeah. Those numbers clearly, there's some disconnect going on between yes. them. Yep. And so um, the other thing to look at is that 32.61% of the time he's faced an eight, eight man box, which is sixth most in the NFL. So what I just you know, came to the conclusion of is he, he's done well breaking big runs on well-blocked plays. Uh, PFF looks at perfectly blocked plays, meaning nobody gets a negative score on that play. Um, that's the sort of play where Kenyon Drake all of a sudden runs untouched and he knows a good, knows well how to deal with space and can maximize that run for you. I think in is, you know, at a very high level. Uh, we saw, you know, big run like that against the Jets that we've talked about a number of times. Um, but the Ravens uh, use this point of attack scheme and they're using a scheme now with pack boxes that are going to get even more compressed with Huntley at quarterback um, that do him no favors in terms of creating wide lanes that he has at times um, been able to take advantage of. So he will he will be more challenged, in, in my opinion, without Jackson. Yeah, I definitely uh, can see that. Um, you know, I think a couple of things, you know, he's probably had a couple of large explosive runs, uh, you know, that, that, that can skew that um, over ex- expectation average. Um, my guess is also that he has uh, limited the negatives on that end. So while he may be below expectation on a higher percentage, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's very slightly below uh mm-hmm. I, I know from you know you can tell from watching that the ravens do not want their running backs running backwards or you know hesitating go forward hit the hole you know get what you can sort of thing um they clearly uh do not like negative rushes and it, it's very clear like when a running back has one he gets benched so um you know so i, I wouldn't be surprised to see that his negative, if, if his negative uh, rushes are very slight because he kind of just gets the expectation and not much below it. So, but, uh, but definitely interesting for sure, but he's going to be key. So, all right. Uh, so that's, those are the numbers I had looking back. So now looking, looking ahead uh, a bit, um, my first number looking ahead is 4.91%. 4.91% is the, percent of drop back passes that have resulted in a sack for Pittsburgh's defense. Uh, that's 25th highest in the league. So that hmm. was very surprising to me that they uh, uh, were, were underperforming in that category. Uh, I, I took a look at before and after a uh, week 10, which was when TJ Watt returned, uh, they were at 4.53% before and 5.84% after. But even still, with the 5.84, that would only rank 20th, so still not uh, not performing uh, where I would have expected once he came back. Uh, just kind of for reference, Baltimore defense 
is eighth best with 7.54% uh, sack rate. So, um, you know, they've got some scary names and some scary players for sure. Uh, but uh, it, it, it was good to see that they are underperforming uh, on a sack rate so far this year. So yeah, that is, that is uh, good to see. I mean, I think that, that how they deal with Alex Highsmith in particular, um, well, TJ White also, but Alex Highsmith in particular lining up opposite Falele because he's typically the rush linebacker will be one of the really big things. And obviously if Stanley is back, you hope things fall back into place. And obviously the Ravens chance to make the playoffs goes way up if Stanley can be back this week. Um, but it's, it's a, um, that matchup could be the, could decide the game right there. I Smith has 10 sacks. Uh, he's been leading the NFL for some portion of the season. I don't think he is currently anymore, but uh, uh, but he's certainly having a great year. And what on the other side, the word from uh, Sigmund Bloom, who was on the Know Your Foe episode, is that he's really not playing as well since he got back. So he's still playing hurt. Uh, but the Steelers make no mistake, this is their Waterloo, this game. So they know if they lose it, it's probably over for them this year they're going to be leaving it all on the field. And that'll be one of the concerns in particularly these next two games that they'll be facing a very desperate Pittsburgh and then a very different desperate Cleveland team, both of which has designs on getting back into the playoff race. And they're not terrible teams in either case. Um, they're, they're middle of the road teams. And that's in some ways that makes them very scary against a team like the Ravens in terms of, of what they can do. Yep, definitely uh, not to be taken lightly, for sure. All right. I got my next number is 39.5%, 50%, 31.2%, and 25%. So the 39.5% is the third down conversion rate for the season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's not very good. Um, I don't have a ranking in the league for that, but uh, but it's not very good. But if you look at the last four games only, they have converted 50% of their third downs all of a sudden. So they've taken a big step forward. Obviously, all that's all picket time uh, well after Trubisky had been benched. Um, and meanwhile, the Ravens for the year have allowed a 31.2% third down conversion rate. You hit on this earlier, stealing one of my numbers, a, 20, <laughs> a 25% rate over the last four games. So they've only allowed 18 conversions on 72 third down attempts. That is a lot of third down attempts to only uh, 25%, by the way. That's some really fantastic play. That's all since the arrival of Roquan. It is over the last six games for the for – the, no, I think it's over the last four games for the 25%. I'm not 100% sure, but it's over their last number of consecutive games. So a big test for the Ravens here to stop a wide receiver heavy offense on third down this week with their depleted cornerback and DB situation. So uh, they won't, I don't think they'll have Marcus Williams back. Um, so it's, it's, the, the question is going to be, um, you know, what do the Steelers really want to try and do against them? And the Steelers have a couple options. They played a lot of 12 personnel this year, but they might convert to more 11 than they have. And even 10 for a matchup like this, because they really want to stretch those Ravens DBs thin and get probably a player like, um, uh, Stevens matched up on the outside uh, with Deontay Johnson or with uh, Pickens. Either way, I don't like the sound of that. And uh, and have uh, Humphrey moved in as a second slot corner. Uh, you know, it, it would it would be something that would really stretch the Ravens, and that's what they did exactly in 2020 uh, to win a game in a comeback fashion um, against the Ravens in Baltimore during during one of the COVID games. So. Uh, you know, I, I'm really concerned about not only the Steelers' ability to do this, but if they show other teams 
that, hey, you can do this. Um, yeah, that's that's a problem for the Ravens down the stretch in general. Yeah, I think um, one of the lucky things is that I'm not sure the Steelers have the wide receiver depth that they, they have had in, in recent years um, to, to kind of throw out the guys out there. I, I think their, their wide receiver pool kind of drops off pretty quickly after the first few guys. So mm-hmm. uh, to, to kind of get out, get four guys out there would, would stretch them pretty thin, I think. Um, but I, but I do think they will run a lot of 11 and, and 12. You know, I do think the 12 matches up well with, if we can get Hamilton back out there, um and and that, and that that's a good matchup but um you know the those third down numbers it's it, it is uh you know it, it's it's going to be as it always is you know that that's the those are the leverage downs and it's been uh very clear with the Ravens defense that that's been kind of where they've been able to kind of you know make their money is is uh is making those stops on third down it's just been amazing what they've done lately and uh you know, seeing the relatively low numbers um, for for Pittsburgh is encouraging. Though the fifty percent for the last four weeks is is less so. So, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. My next numbers are thirty point zero three, twenty seven point one seven, twenty six point nine two, and twenty nine point six two. So a lot of numbers there. Uh, these are the field positions uh, for, for the, the Ravens and the Steelers, and I'll walk through each one. But I really think that field position is going to play a big uh, big role in this game because I think both teams are going to struggle uh, moving the ball for uh, for kind of different reasons. But I think both teams are going to really struggle. So I think field position could play, play a big game. So uh, 30.03 is the average starting field position for the Baltimore offense, which is second best. Uh, 27.17 is the average field position for Baltimore defense, which is ninth best. So a uh, really strong starting spot for the Ravens offense, really uh, strong spot for, you know, further back in the field uh, for Ravens defense. On the other side for Pittsburgh, 26.92 is the average field position for the Pittsburgh offense, which is 26th best. And, 29.62 is the average field position for Pittsburgh defense, which is 30th best. So uh, on the other side, they are Pittsburgh is struggling both as a starting field position for on offense and defense. So uh, gr- great to see on both both sides of that, I think. And I, I really do think, um, you know, special teams could come into, in, into play largely this, this year or this week. I think uh, Stout played really well last week, had some, had some great kicks. And, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, see DuVernay and the defense, um, you know, set up our offense in, in decent field position, which could make it a lot easier, um, you know, maybe not to score touchdowns, but at least get in the field goal range and, and get some points on the board. So. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that the Stout is going to be one of the key players for the Ravens, but all of special teams is what is a lot of what's responsible for these great field position. The other is not turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. And if you if you turn the ball over, you tend to give away some really outstanding field position. And uh, the Ravens are still at plus four. They're the they're the fourth best team in the NFL at, at turnovers, and the Steelers are are in negative territory. So these you know hopefully this is a game where the, that trend continues as opposed to reversing itself. Obviously, you know, games like this, the Ravens you know, need to win the turnover battle in a in a in a big way. But uh, you know they have a they have a quarterback who's uh, making his first trip to Baltimore, that that's typically is a good thing, uh, you know, in terms of it. But uh, but he's actually played well recently. I don't want to get to that in my last set of numbers here. Uh, 
Those are two, minus 11.1, four, eight, and 75.1. So minus two defensive adjusted yards above replacement, okay, is 26th of 33 quarterbacks who played 195 plus passes. So those are, um, it's, the, it's a um, football outsiders number. Uh, that is adjusted for opponents. The Steelers have actually played the toughest set of opponents in the entire National Football League so far this year. So uh, that uh, plays well with this and it actually adjusts him from a more significant negative number uh, up to negative two. Uh, 11, minus 11.1% DeVoa. DeVoa on offense being negative is a bad thing. He, he's 26th in the National NFL this year. Four touchdowns and eight interceptions in his game so far, which is good and ought to have the Ravens' defense salivating, except that in the last four games, he's been two touchdowns and zero interceptions. So he started off 2-8, and 2-0 and since then. And he's got a 75.1 passer rating for the year. Um, I, I look at this as one of the very key matchups, is the Ravens cannot let Pickett play mistake-free football. They've got to figure out how to make him make mistakes. So there's there's two ways you can do that, and the Ravens have tried both, both methods over the past few years. Um, one is to try and make him make unforced errors by dropping more players to coverage and coming with four-man pressure, maybe using a spy, creating opportunities uh, mostly that are interception related to uh, for him to lose value. Um, the other is to uh, create forced errors, send pressure, try and strip the football, try and get him to throw some little wobblers out there that get intercepted. Um, so they, they've got multiple ways to do it. You don't want to do any one all the time, but the combination that they throw out there has got to force some errors out of picket for, I think, the Ravens to get the field position edges they'll need to win this game. Yeah, absolutely. We need that uh, that two two touchdown, four interception ratio uh, going on yeah. this week for sure. Uh, but uh, those are some some rough numbers from the QB. So uh, so, it, so definitely um, an advantage. I, I hope we can take a or, an area we can take advantage of this week. So uh, my last number is 94.4%. Uh, this one I, I thought was pretty crazy to to read uh, or, or to calculate. 94.4% of the snaps for Pittsburgh, they've had the same O-line, same five guys. 779 out of the 826 snaps. Mason Cole, their center, has missed 46 snaps, which was half a game in, in Cincinnati. And... Uh, I think at the right tackle, no, there's no way I'm going to pronounce his name right. Okorafor. Yeah. Uh, he missed one snap last week. That's all he's missed. So uh, the other three guys haven't missed a single snap. So just uh, pretty amazing to see uh, half of one game and um, one snap from another guy. Just, you know, I, I think they, their O line was generally viewed as a an area of weakness going into the season. But uh, I think that. Um, cohesiveness, I think it has really allowed them to, uh, to, to improve throughout the season. So, and I, Dan Moore, uh, was, I believe in the 21 draft and I need to make sure I go back to this, but he was a developmental left tackle and let me make sure I have the right players here because you don't want to make a mistake on this. If you can avoid it, I might've been in the 20 draft. All right. Well, now I'm not gonna, I, I can't stand here. Nope. Uh, Let's see where did he get drafted. Okay, I, I do want to figure this out because this this is important to me here. Um, he was one of several developmental left tackles who looked pretty good. He went to, at one number one twenty eight to Pittsburgh in the fourth round. If the Ravens had wanted to get him, 
they would have had to give up on the pick for Brandon Stevens in the third round. Uh, that's not right because they, Ben Cleveland was the guy they drafted in the third round. Yeah, Brandon Stevens. They drafted in the third round at 104, and Dan Moore went at 128. Um, that was one of several players where the Ravens missed out on a good developmental left tackle, and he's playing a lot better right now and looks like he was a very good choice by the Steelers. Now, the Steelers do have a fairly good record of developing offensive linemen, but that's one of them that uh, that the Ravens kind of missed out on. And uh, sad to see it happen, and really sad to see a divisional rival get a guy who who might end up being pretty good. Yeah, definitely. But uh, but but I thought that was pretty pretty wild to see the difference between <laughs> that percentage versus the O line yeah. struggles we've had this year. So, um, absolutely. I, I don't know that I've seen that high a percentage before. All so. right. Always a pleasure to do with you, uh, do the show with you, Dan. Tell folks where they can talk to you online. Yeah, absolutely. You can reach out on Twitter at uh, at DP Reese, then the number eight. Uh, happy to talk Ravens and uh, and anything football. All right, outstanding. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM. Uh, I always respond very quickly. Had some great ideas recently. We got got a few people who want to talk draft. A lot of people want to talk about EDC in the draft recently, uh, and and that's fine. W- whatever you'd like to talk about. Think of me as your your local call-in show. And I I am going to vet the topic and I'll look at it, but I'm not looking, not everybody has to create something that's a, you know, three-month research project in on some analytics topic. I, I'm looking for your thoughts, something you're passionate about that we can discuss in about 20 or 25 minutes and, uh, and get through it. Uh, Dan, always a pleasure to do this show with you. Yeah, it was great. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.